The Flyover State Sports Show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Over State Sports Show. I am your host, Sam Long, and I am joined by both of my normal compatriots, Caleb the Bean Jubal and Gavin Turd Ferguson Alexander. Holy shit, I am so glad, Gavin. I am happier than a dog with two peckers right now, now that you're back. Yeah, I was, uh, I don't know how much, like, the normal goes into the side of things for my, like, run of form the last, like, four months of just, like, not being there, but, um, I'm happy to be back. It's, um, always busy i have a feeling it's just not gonna ever not be busy and that's just life but whatever that's life that's what all the people say wait want to thank you again for listening today it was a very special frank sinatra oh okay anyways we are excited today to bring you this episode because it is a very very special episode Beans, would you like to inform the people, as the founder of this podcast, what today means? Today is a milestone in regards to us as a, as an, as a podcast because I don't think either uh, – all three of us had like this mindset when we got started that we would A, either hit this or B, like, you know, yeah, make it. Um, <laughs> this is our 100th episode as a podcast holy shit (laughs) like fly over 100 episode that is fucking crazy like i my like gavin's schedule is busy my schedule is busy sam i'm sure your schedule is busy too but we had to make time so that way all (laughs) i had to make time so that we had to make time so that way all three of us could be on this episode for the 100th episode yeah, all you two's got wives, so like that's why you're busy. I, not so much. Well, I'm away from my wife this week, so my wife. Beans, my where wife. are you at? No, this I'm is at a, a segment. Where is Bean? What is Beans doing at work today? I am at a conference in the Tall. I'm in Wichita. Oh, I, you I was thinking Wichita. Utah. <laughs> no, the other Tall, Wichita. <laughs> uh, no, I'm extremely. Um, as you said, Beans, I uh, would not have expected ever, um, not only us uh, and mostly a lot of you guys, putting in the effort to actually get here, but um, just uh, the time commitment thing is the real, uh, like, hit the nail on the head there. Of I, I, I love getting on here and just talking, but just the fact that it's been, like, important enough for us to hit 100 episodes is kind of incredible. Yeah, I can't believe we've been doing all of this, all of this time. It really is something special to behold. And there's only one way to signify, you know, great achievement, and that is to cover a dynastic run by the main team that we've been covering for the last couple of months. Your Kansas City Chiefs. 
the team that everyone gave up on about halfway through the season, including myself, have made the Super Bowl by defeating the Baltimore Ravens by a score of 17 to 10. Gentlemen, do we have thoughts on this great run by the Kansas City Chiefs? Where do you begin? That's the billion-dollar question. I think uh, the reason every single time any of us spoke negatively about the Chiefs, we'd always add that qualifier of, well, you have Andy Reid, you have Travis Kelsey, you have Patrick Mahomes, so like anything can happen. And we throw that qualifier in almost as a, like, um, it's like you just put it in there so like you can cover your ass for being wrong. But it's more than that because it there's – no reason there's no rhyme reason or whatever we've played an entire regular season and even a couple games in the playoffs and nothing suggested that what happened on Sunday should have unfolded the way it did but Baltimore decided to be a completely different team both play calling the way that they played and Kansas City also decided to be a completely different team not by play calling but just by not fucking it up multiple times during the game and That was pretty much the difference. I felt like I was watching two different teams. Um, And I I don't know. This was the game that kind of just made me throw out any... When I go into next season, I don't care about what the regular season looks like. I don't care about, like, what this team kind of does up until this point. Because for whatever reason, when it matters... And I I even hate saying that because you can't quantify it. But when it matters... That's when players on this team apparently decide to stop dropping passes. I mean, there's no better way to wrap it up than season on the line. You need a conversion. MVS decides to not drop that pass. And and even this after not dropping uh, important passes against Buffalo, too. That's why after 18 games in a regular season, do we have to sit here and watch all this pain and misery of a team that lacks the fundamentals of a peewee football team? And then all of a sudden finds them i don't know but they do and that's why we're going to the super bowl again so this game kind of felt like a tale of you know there's always four quarters in a football game and there's some players that'll say you know there's actually three parts to a game you have the beginning 20 minutes which is like you filling each other out then you have the middle here which you had just and then you have the end which is like the battle and so this game felt like two different games like it the first two couple drives felt like, you know, this is going to be fireworks. This is going to be, you know, everybody's going to, we're going to have a high scoring affair. Everything's going to be popping off and everybody's going to be hitting big plays. And then it just like kind of stalled out and, uh, you know, shout out to Spags. He was literally in his bag this game coming in without, uh, coming in with Mike Edwards coming off a concussion you know, rolling with, you know, Chamari Connor the week before, no Willie Gay being out because of his neck and uh, having to put in Drew Tranquil and Leo Chanel and all that. And then Charles Amenahue coming out. That was a major loss. You know, he was in his bag this week and he covered everything. Not, not only from like defensive assignment, being assignment sound and everything, but there's a certain I, I haven't really b- believed it until now. But there's a certain like mental component to when you're playing the quote Kansas City Chiefs end quote that other teams have to also get past. We kind of watch the same thing as like when Dallas starts losing in a playoff game, it becomes this train wreck of like, oh my God, we expect to lose and now it's happening. 
same thing kind of happens when things aren't going the way a teams playing Kansas City in the playoffs, where like they can like be in control of the game and Baltimore even never even seemed to be in control. Baltimore never felt like they were in the game at all in this game. And what they like do, what Baltimore does, what they've done to every other team in the league, how they play was just completely abandoned because a quarter into the game, they're down seven and they thought that lead was insurmountable and played like it the entire game. They played like they were reaching for it. Literally, say flowers. I think the ironic part of this game was really more to do with Baltimore did all of the things that it felt like Kansas City was doing during the entirety of the year. Like, you know, dumb penalties, whether, you know, it's Kyle Van Noy, like, giving Travis that little headbutt, or the taunting penalty on Zay Flowers. And those are, like, nicky-nacky, whatever you can say. But, like, you're doing it in broad daylight in front of refs. Like, it's just something stupid. It shows... I'm surprised at something Calvin Noy did because he's a veteran, but someone like Zay Flowers, I mean, that's someone that hasn't been there before, and that's a mistake he makes. Makes a mistake with reaching it out. Lamar makes a mistake throwing into triple coverage, expecting to draw a pass interference call. And again, I think that's a big component of Lamar and a lot of the players on the Ravens haven't played in a game as big as that, and Kansas City has. And, you know, Kansas City rose up to the occasion, played probably the best football they've played all season for the first half, and then for the full game defensively. And Baltimore, you know, looked like Kansas City whenever Kansas City wants to melt down a playoff game. They didn't run the ball. They're throwing the ball like all over the place, trying to take deep shots, trying to make up, you know, 10 points in one play. The game was there for Baltimore. They didn't have the composure to make the necessary plays to keep the line moving, to not make back-breaking mistakes. And I think that's pretty much what it boiled down to. You could tell the Ravens were better, but you could tell the Chiefs were locked in for just enough time to start the game that they won the game in basically 20 minutes on offense. Yeah, then it's just a defensive masterclass after that. Because essentially, yeah. it, it seemed like what we came into the game had scripted, just went off literally without a hitch. Mahomes completes his first 11 passes. Um, are like essentially just screen, uber dynamic screen offense is essentially unstoppable for, and it's, works really well when you're scripting that as well. Um, gets us 14 points immediately. And really, if you think about it, uh, Baltimore scores, but Baltimore scores on a like MVP level play, ironically, from Lamar yep. Jackson to break a sack, then scramble drill, touchdown. Um, something, ironically, we're, we were accustomed to seeing in Kansas City. And I think there's still a lot of that, even from ourselves, hangover from a lot of Chiefs fans of why are we not seeing that anymore? They like, I think about it in this game. There's a, one of the probably biggest passes of the game in terms of yardage um, was Mahomes having 10 seconds to throw and putting a lollipop up field for like 15 yards for Travis Kelsey on third down. That's, that's like the, one of the deepest passes Mahomes attempts downfield. Now it's on third down. 
Uh, Travis Kelsey is 11 for 11 in this game, and most of those come on third down too. So it's just like what I mean, literally that stat alone, just when it mattered, Kansas City had it. And yeah, I, Baltimore looked like a shell of themselves. And most of that is attributed to Kansas City's defense, honestly. And it's shown that like Patrick Mahomes, you know, I feel like he's putting the team on his back, but he's doing it almost effortlessly. You know, last week against the Bills and then this the game against the Ravens, you know, he's just kind of just given what's, you know, just taking what the defense has yeah. given him, making those smart plays. And, you know, he just kind of makes it almost look effortlessly. I know there's probably some, uh, there's a lot behind it, but he is doing a great job at managing the game, managing his composure, and just keeping keeping the game flowing. That's and he's doing a good job at it. And so that's going to change here coming up next week, which we don't probably get into much of the 49ers game because that's next week's issues. But from what I've seen these last two weeks, this don't hide the fact that that defense was good. Baltimore's defense is a solid defense. They've got Nick Allegretti stepped up and did great. He, you know, there was a few mishaps. Matabuke, you know, all pro defensive tackle. You know, he's he got his. He got his. However, Allegretti got his own, too. For being a seventh-round pick, what would have been five years ago, like, Allegretti stepped up. And I'm proud of him. I'm sure the offices are proud of him. I'm sure the, off- the offense is thrilled that he's there because I couldn't imagine anybody else taking that role for Tooney. Uh, I mean, to your point of Mahomes and the offensive line playing really well, too, that's... um. Mahomes is averaging five yards an attempt in this game. Like there's literally Nick Chubb averages on his career more yards per carry than we average yards per pass attempt, which just is mind boggling to think about. But A, that worked. We got the points on the board we needed to and trusted our defense. I hate that mantra, but we did. We trust our defense and they got it done. But more importantly, like Mahomes, the type of quarterback that Mahomes is, probably one of the greatest coaching jobs the Kansas City Chiefs have done is get Mahomes to understand that like even in a game like this, when you literally never like ever got the opportunity to just uncork that one that we know Mahomes has the ability to do, but you see so many of these gunslinger type quarterbacks when they're asked to do this, like slow play screen game, we didn't do anything in the second half offensively. Mahomes stayed on script, never like gave the defense any opportunity to like, you know, force that one error that puts Baltimore back in the game. We just never even gave them that opportunity. We'll get 50 net yards on the punt and then make them beat us. And they just never had the opportunity to do that. But so much of that comes because Mahomes was content with five yards in attempt. And if that's what gets us the win today, that's okay. But his composure to do that is incredible. Yeah, for sure. You know, like an old, an old gunslinger, you know, Brett Favre's the consummate example. Like you have Brett Favre trying to do what Mahomes was doing. There is a 100% pick chance that he will throw some sort of ill-advised pass and throw an interception. Like, it's just the way it is. And, you know, like you said, Pat, Pat is great enough to, you know, maintain his composure, as you said, not force it, not basically not break the back of his team. So I, I do want to get into one thing about Patrick Mahomes, though. Um, we can talk about this more next week. Like Bean said, we're not going to talk about, you know, the Super Bowl this week. 
because we're not going to talk about the Pro Bowl next week because no one gives a shit about the Pro Bowl, so we need something to talk about next week. <laughs> but I think a lot of people are genuinely sleeping on what so, you know, obviously Kansas City makes it to the Super Bowl. You know, you don't want to project Kansas City to win, but for this exercise, let's just say they do. A lot of people are really dis I don't think they quite grasp the full extent of what winning this Super Bowl does for Pat's legacy. Because do you guys know the list of quarterbacks that have three or three Super Bowl wins? And two MVPs. Joe Montana. It's Tom Brady and Joe Montana. That's the entire list. Like, you know, we've been playing football in the Super Bowl era for 58 years now. We, we can basically just round it up to 60, right, at this point. That means about once every 20 or so years, you get a guy who is as good as Tom Brady and Joe Montana, and Mahomes has a chance to cement himself as one of those guys. Think think about it this way. Lamar's got to win three Super Bowls probably in the next 10 years to join that list. No one else is joining that list because no one else has Super Bowls. Like Matt Stafford would have to go win like two MVPs and two more Super Bowls. Like, I mean, even happening. Even just to take that, I guess not a, a step further, but in the entire Super Bowl era, because well, I mean, we've seen this once before, and you already said it with Tom Brady, where we have a probable best, uh, like one of the greatest coaches of all time, especially the greatest coach in the league of his era. I'll, call, I'll just say it that way. Um, and as the league started to change, fit more of what, Andy Reid started to do, I would easily call Andy Reid one of the best coaches, at least one of the best offensive minds of the current NFL era. So you match up the best player in the league with a coach that's the best coach of his era, probably one of the best of all time in both cases. And you you essentially marry the two most important positions, if you want to call a coach a position, uh, for – and that that's what it takes that literally that created both dynasties that just didn't happen at other times at the same time. And we were lucky enough to get to watch both of them ironically, but it's, yeah, as, as you said, it's just kind of incredible to watch and when not when um, the good news. And I know Sam's going to like hate this and I even hate saying this, but like without Andy Reed retiring, which can happen and Mahomes health provided what's left to change that like they need to prove i guess and i say that in a way to say like why why when we enter next season are we not just looking uh what's around the kansas city chiefs kind of like whatever happens in the offseason doesn't really matter we're bringing back those two travis kelsey leaving would suck but as long as we got those two here i kind of just don't care they're gonna be knocking on the door of the afc championship again because 20 other NFL tour, 24 other NFL teams are going to knock themselves out anyway. I, you know, you say that, and kind of the thing that I think about is, you know, I, Kansas City can't just do nothing. They can't just rest under laurels or whatever. But, like, the margin for error is so much greater. Like, you know, think about it this way. Like, the Texans, going into last year, had to basically 
hit on CJ Stroud, hit on their head coaching hire, hit on their like trade to get Will Anderson, have him hit as well, and like have Tank Dell hit and like Nico Collins break out and like other players like like there's so much stuff that had to go right for the Texans to not be bad and to like sneak into the playoffs, right? Like Kansas City just didn't have to do too much and they got back to the Super Bowl. Kansas City basically just needed to find a tackle that was their tackles that were about as good as last year and improve the defense on the margins and then hope that their defense took a step as they grew more experienced. But like even if Kansas City's defense wasn't elite all year, I still think they make the playoffs. I still think they have a chance to make the Super Bowl because, well, we saw them beat the Ravens, the Bills, and the Dolphins. So, I don't know. And so Spags is the Spags is the thing that just needs more mentioning as we're talking through all this as well. Because I don't know if there's been a more important um, secondary coach, assistant coach in the league this year than what Spags has brought to Kansas City. Because we we know that, um, and even in a down offensive year for the Chiefs, they and they still end up doing enough on offense, anyways. But Andy's got the offense covered. Mahomes got the offense covered. But this defense is littered with. Um, a, a lot of players that people will go to their graves like saying suck um, and are just like objectively terrible football players. Um, and a couple like insurance salesmen and then like l- sprinkled in with a couple NFL players. And um, we've talked about the Kansas City offense and this like uh, the insurance salesmen were running out at wide receiver and skill positions. But defense is the same way. Every year we come, now, last two years we came in, maybe even more than that, talking about how this defense on paper just looks fucking terrible. And next thing you know, it's um, a six round pick out of wherever the fuck Toledo that plays corner for us and not just plays corner, but plays corner at a very, very high level. And I, I yeah, I, Spags deserves the world of credit. And it's amazing. I really, maybe we just blew up the Eric B enemy stuff because we wanted all the attention on him and nobody to be like trying to get spags as a op- head coach or <laughs> coaching candidate because Eric B enemy leaves and it turns out, Oh, that didn't really matter. And all the narratives around Eric B enemy being the, you know, hammer and keeping the fundamentals in charge also didn't matter because we just made the conscious decision to be fundamentally sound. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to throw that out of Spags as well. But to your to build on your point, Sam, I hitting on all that other auxiliary stuff is really, really, I guess, nice. But Nico Collins was already there and was already talented. He just was in a situation that sucked. Um, like Tank Dell, yeah, he came in and hit, but is Tank Dell and Nico Collins uh, there, or did he? They finally get a quarterback that could get on the ball and a head coach that could put them in situations to succeed because that's really all we're seeing in Kansas city just repeated. Yes. But you have to hit on all those things. Is the thing. Did like, the Chiefs? well, yeah, the chiefs hit on all those things. But what I'm saying is for the tech, for the Texans, a team like the Texans to go from second worst record in the league to 
one game over 500 and in the playoffs and winning a playoff game, you have to hit a lot of things. That's what I'm saying. Like the Chiefs have technically already hit on like the majority of the things that you need. They already hit on the head coach. They already hit on the quarterback. They already hit on like the generational defensive tackle. They already hit on the generational tight end. They already hit on like the, you know, best defensive coordinator, you know, in the league or like top three at worst defensive coordinator in the league. Like the Texans like had to hit on so many other things. Like Kansas City just needed to hit on like the auxiliary pieces to be this good. Mr. Beans, you have been quiet. You've been stewing in your stead. No, I'm 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 enjoying I'm enjoying this conversation that you guys are uh, partaking in. Um, do we want to talk about the 49ers and the Lions? I mean, the team will be playing in the better team. <laughs> I would like to talk about them. Um, basically, you know, to preview everything, it was a tale of two halves again. Detroit very much dominated the first half. San Francisco did not look prepared to play, did not look ready, did not look like they would be able to come back. And then I would say a comedy of errors by Detroit really sealed their fate in terms of San Francisco making the comeback and Detroit blowing the opportunity to get to their first Super Bowl ever. I know everyone is going to want to talk about, you know, Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth down, you know, multiple times in the second half. My question is, does anyone actually agree with Dan Campbell on the decisions that he made? Or do people just want to pile on? Can I go first? You may go first, Beans. Thank you. Um I agree wholeheartedly with what Dan Campbell did. There's a lot of talk on like uh, because the kicker was like really poor from that distance. So you can't really kick a field goal there. He is like 17 of 20 on fourth down in those situations. So, you know, he was he is a man that dances with the girl he brought and that is going for it on fourth down and being aggressive. And I don't fault him for doing that at all. I don't, I don't fault him. And you hit, you hit on that, you lose it sometimes. And that's just life. That's football. And, you know, he got punched in the mouth. I'm sure he's either going to learn from it. You know, he's getting Ben Johnson back next year. I'm sure that they're going to be, you know, thinking of ways to improve on this kind of stuff. But I think that I wholeheartedly believe that Dan Campbell did everything right. It's not his fault that Craig Reynolds dropped it. It's not his fault. Jameer Gibbs fumbled it. It's not his fault that this search way. The only thing I do have fault with is him running the ball on third down, but uh, at the very end of the game that I do blame on him. And cause you had to burn a timeout and that now you only have two timeouts left with the 49ers getting the ball back after you score that I do have a fault with, but all the stuff prior to any of that happening, I agree with him a thousand percent. He was in, they were on, they were in the right. I even to build on that, um, I thought it was interesting and like pro- probably the most important play in the game. The two most important plays in the game were the Jameer Gibbs fumble and then um, an interception that turns into a 50 yard Brandon Ayuk near touchdown and then touchdown eventually um, because your defender's helmet uh, can't catch a football. Um, but like I thought it was interesting 
you mentioned running the ball on third down. They also, you talk about uh, riding the horses that got you here. They made the decision to essentially uh, bench Jameer Gibbs after the fumble um, for the game, and which, you know, if you want to say rookie, uh, rookie in this uh, spotlight, whatever, too big, and you want to go that route, I can understand. And though he already had a 15-yard touchdown in the game. Um, but you take out um, one of your most like efficient and most dynamic playmakers with the game on the line because now you're like emotionally attached to this. Oh my God, the game's getting away. That was another like to build on that because not only are you running the ball on third down, you're running the ball on third down with one of your least efficient running backs or your less efficient running back on the season, I should say. So there was just multiple missed opportunities down the stretch there for the Lions. But yes, running the ball on third down to pick it up, even though I understand, you know, you're picking up some yardage, increasing your chances on fourth down, but you, you are allowed to get the first down on third down as well. That is possible. It's called passing the ball. And it's they're they're literally equipped with like the most they're the most one of the most equipped teams in the league at picking up like third and, and medium, third and six with the Monroe St. Brown, Sam Laporta. Um, I know Josh Reynolds drops this one, but even like uh, when Sam Laporta, I'm on Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs are your top three, all of a sudden your Jamison Williams and Josh Reynolds auxiliary options are pretty damn good to go after too. So I put uh, Jared Goff back to pass there twice. I think they pick up the first down. I, they've been doing it literally all season. I, it's incredible. Yeah, to me, you know, I think it just comes down to a lot of people really like, especially on the internet, a lot of people really like to sit there and basically just criticize after the fact. Um, it's really, you know, everyone's like, well, it's an obvious call to go for it, uh, like to kick the field goal to go up 17. And it's like, well, sure, but like, he also threw a complete, completable ball to Josh Reynolds, and Josh Reynolds just didn't catch it. Like, yep. I mean, I I always hate, like, blaming players, but, like, at some point, like, the, the coach needs to make, like, good, rational decisions, and that, that's the thing I don't like about the run on the third down, because you waste your time out, and, you know, like, it, the thing that really annoys me, too, about it is, like, even if you, like, didn't, like, trust Jared Goff to, like, get it in at that point, the thing is, it was still a two-score two game that you could get with a field goal. Like, I mean, you still could have kicked the field goal, theoretically. Like, you could have just not gotten it, and you could have kicked the field goal, and then, like, went for the onside and still had three timeouts in your pocket. But I digress. Like, I mean, Dan Campbell was aggressive, and he stayed aggressive the entire time. And people love him for it, but they also like the Monday morning morning quarterback in with it. And, and, you know, he's a dumbass because he he cost Detroit the Super Bowl. Well, like, if he ties the game up and San Francisco does, goes down and scores and then, like, they don't score a touchdown to match, then, like, then everyone's going to be like, well, well he should have went for it on fourth down. His defense didn't stop anyone for five straight drives. And it's like... You can't win, you know what I mean? Like, the only way you win is if you win. And, I mean, Josh Reynolds dropping that pass didn't help. And Josh Reynolds dropping that third down conversion didn't help. And Jameer Gibbs, you know, fumbling that didn't help. 
And the really underrated play that no one even is talking about that didn't help was them having a perfect opportunity to down the ball at the one-yard line off of a perfect punt, and their player just falling into the end zone, puking all over himself. Or whatever. Like, you down that inside the five, like, nine out of ten times, and Detroit just threw up all over themselves. Because, you know, you have a lot of players who haven't been there before. You have a coach who's not been there before. And when things start not going the right way, then, like, it snowballs really, really quickly. So, I, I don't know. I don't disagree with Dan Campbell. I really couldn't care less about how he wants to call the game. Theoretically, I didn't see much of a problem with it from my vantage point. And, like, Badgley's your fucking kicker, dude. Are you you fucking serious? Like, it's not like he's got Justin Tucker back there. He's got Marvin Badgley. Like, okay. Like, that dude stunk on the Chargers, and he probably still stinks in Detroit. And that's a personnel issue about Detroit needing a better kicker, but I digress. Let's not hide the fact that they also, they they did have a pick uh, there earlier in the game, but the defense, Brock Purdy should have had three interceptions. There was one where Cam Sutton was falling backwards and again, went right through his hands, dropped it. Uh, I, and then, I will and then you say had the, one thing, not to cut you off, I have a feeling, and I know they waved off the pass interference, but I have a feeling that they were probably just going to call pass interference on that if the ball had gotten picked or when it gets to say, Yeah, but still, it's still a missed yeah, opportunity that say, could have happened. Still, it, it's extra yardage, I agree. So there's, you know, you have those two missed opportunities, and obviously with that third one, you know, three interceptions in one game is huge. Like that's, and then you down them inside the one. Those are missed opportunities, and that's the difference between the 49ers making it in the Super Bowl and the Lions making it to the Super Bowl. You guys have seen the like script written for the Super Bowl already, right? It's just like right in front of our faces, and everybody's going to pretend to be shocked because for the first time in like what'll be four weeks for Brock Purdy, and then the rest of the season before that. Um, all of his throws like directly into the hands of defenders will just be caught against the Kansas city chiefs. And then we'll just like put up like 17 points of offense win 17 to seven. And everybody will be like super shocked that Brock Purdy folded in the moment uh, when he's been throwing the ball to the defense for weeks. I do have a question for you. Um, If you're Brock Purdy, do you feel like you can get away with throwing to Kittle over the middle, knowing that Nick Bolton is not going to catch the football? I, if I'm Brock Purdy at this point, I think I like could blindfold myself and not throw an interception. God is on his side. I I just the one thing that is just so bizarre about Brock Purdy is like you know you could obviously tell in college like I watched a lot of Brock Purdy football because. You know, because, like, you know, Big 12, Iowa State, K-State, that dude did so many wacky things, and he has not done anything, like, wacky yet. I'm, like, waiting for him to do, like, the wacky thing. Where where he gets uh, spun around on a sack and throws the ball backwards over his shoulder to the linebacker, like, 15 yards away. Or, like, when he, like, tried to scramble against, like, Oklahoma and, like, he, like, tried to, like, throw the ball away, and he gets hit, and the ball goes, like, 20 yards downfield the other way. 
It's a scoop and score touchdown. Do you remember that one? That one was crazy. I don't remember seeing that one. But, like, it's stuff like that. Like, Brock Purdy just had so many wacky things happen to him in college. I'm, like, just waiting for him to, like, do something stupid against Kansas City. I have a full Brock Purdy breakdown for next week's episode. I am ready. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, you know what I'm ready for. So I think we can put the NFL to bed, right? Tuck it in. All that stuff. We can we can say goodnight. We'll talk about Super Bowl 58, Kansas City Chiefs versus San Francisco 49ers. We can talk about that next week. Sam will try and name all other 57 Super Bowls beans. You know, that'll be our game we play next week. So Sam will not study. He promises. Sam will name him off the dome. That's going to be like a whole episode in itself, right? No. I could name like I could name like probably forty out of fifty seven like in five to ten minutes beans. I I I'm not doubting your efforts at all whatsoever. I'm gonna have to do it in reverse order though. That's like the only way I can remember it. I just need you to be the judge. Okay. Savvy. Anyways, so the other, you know, big news that came out today was college football is back, friends. The Big 12 released the schedule. And K-State has two bye weeks now. One of which is during Anthony Cleekin and Rachel's wedding that I have to be in. So I'm not going to miss any K-State football. I am super excited about that. Uh, you, can we not hide the fact that Rachel's on a first name basis for us? Can we also can we acknowledge with the second bye week being added like somewhere in the like walls of the college football heavens um the 2012 K-State team is just like hanging out like utterly pissed that there's a second bye week added to this season it is this like it. is there only two bye weeks because like the season is like kind of just start like is this like a leap year thing or something like I don't know what it is. Like the I season just end your season sooner. Just end the season sooner. But like the season is not ending like any later. I think it's just because like the conference championship games fall like on like a later date and the season starts like in August. Like I think that's genuinely just what it is. Why not just have the whole NCA follow the same format? Start earlier, <laughs> do one by week, end earlier. Well, the FCC has two bye weeks this year. I checked. Why are we not on the same page here? What is going on? She is on the same page as us, Beans. I think everyone is two bye weeks. I think it's just because of the way, like, the conference championship I'm sorry. I'm not being year. clear. I'm not being clear. I don't want two bye weeks. What? Because I think just just get the seat. Just keep going. Keep rolling. There's no I don't like the fact. That's cool that there's that the thumbs up popped up. That's cool. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> No, I'm I'm against two bye weeks. I know you get another rest day, but I'm all for like that. You know, you could be getting momentum and you get that second bye week and you could just lose it. I don't know. I'm just against them. I'm not a fan Beans, of them. Look, K-State is terrible off by like genuinely. But um, the one thing I will say is as someone who drives three hours to every home game, and goes to has gone to multiple away games the last couple of years. I need a motherfucking break. I'm tired, beans. I got 
Beans. We had 13 weeks last year, Beans. 13 weeks. You know how many weeks I stayed at home to watch a football game? One. I need a motherfucking break. This, I need these motherfucking bye weeks. With, uh, already, like, an. Already wasting one of the bye weeks to go motherfucking Colorado. Actually, ironically, Colorado is the week after, and I would have actually been able to go to the game because the wedding is on a Friday. So now I'm kind of annoyed that that was so close to the date. Um, beggars can't be choosers. I'll take the bye week. But Beans, I'll and Wamigo, I drive three hours. I'm tired. I went to Missouri last year. I went to fucking Austin last year. I would have been in Lawrence last year if it wasn't for circumstances. The only game I didn't go, to, I I could have went. I would have been in Stillwater if you didn't get married. Hey, I. This feels like uh, means you bring up an amazing point of like why is it not the same? And like it's inc- it's incredible by the way that's not the same when like we have a four team playoff and we got to compare these teams like like for like and like all that stuff. It's amazing that we made it this far without it being the same. But it literally feels like. When you like switch to like NIL and stuff, now there's like professional athletes playing college football. Um, it reminds me in a way of like Keisha just like randomly telling high schools, like, okay, yeah, you can like practice and like, you know, do uh, like schedule games literally whenever you want. Just like go ahead and do that. And so there's like, uh, you know, Holton against Wamigo and like, the week before school starts or so like some shit like that. <laughs> like literally like your academic schedule and whatever is just thrown out the fucking window. You guys are like, you know, playing your professional sports league. So go do that. Um, schedule it whenever you want. Um, don't even let the school know who cares. Just go play football. And we're just going to be like tied to you by name only. All I'm saying beans. I'm tired. Last year was exhausting. Okay, Wait, I'm, I'm just I'm just looking at this from like a 12 team playoff perspective because you're about to expand the playoffs. You have conference and that makes sense week. The same week. I all I'm saying is, but you add three games to the schedule. This is kind of a hot. Yeah, yeah, you're adding more games to the schedule. This is kind of a hot take. If it's a fall sport, leave it in the fall. Let it bleed into the winter a little bit, but don't let it bleed into the new year. Adding more games and you're like. That's probably why they got extra bye week is because there's going to be more games. Well, Beans is saying, like, college football is going to be, like, ending in the Super Bowl time. <laughs> yeah, like, I want, <laughs> like I, want the NFL, I want the NFL to be NFL time. I don't want it to be college football North and NFL time. They released the schedule. It's over, like, two weeks ago. It goes, like, one extra week. Unless you make a playoff. And still against it. No, it's... It's one extra week to the playoff. The first round is like right after conference championship games. God, yeah, you could have an additional week between conference championship week and the playoffs. Okay, I guess I don't know why I'm trying to agree agree with Beans. I never agree with Beans. Beans, your take of there being two bye weeks is bad, by the way. <laughs> I'm just trying to, like, understand. No, I'm just against I'm, them. Uh, Guys, the New Year, like, the quarterfinal games are still, like... Around New Year's, as they all as they always are, and then the semifinal games are like the week after, which is where the national championship game is usually at. 
And then the national championship game is just one week later. Everything else is the same. Like, all we've done is, like, add one more week to the season. Like, we've done nothing groundbreaking. I all genuinely right. well, what think are, what there's are, only... What are your thoughts on the schedule? Like... <laughs> I mean, like, it's one of those schedules that it looks like we should go 12 and 0 because I'm a homer. Um, I, I did my classic um, pot of threes. Uh, I, I, like, eight and four. Yeah, eight and four, nine and three, probably. Is kind of what I think. I, I, like, didn't see enough from Avery in the bowl game to just say, like, oh, yeah, he's just going to, like, come in and, like, light the world on fire because highly touted recruit and, like, his first season as a starter, first complete season as a starter, blah, blah, blah. I didn't see enough to, like, make me buy into that. But on the the same side, I do think that Avery brings a high enough floor to the offense because we are losing a shit ton of talent off of last year's team. Um Avery brings a high enough floor to like, we're just going to be able to beat all of the bad teams. I think there's a lot of bad teams in the big 12 right now. Um, There's a lot of bad teams on our schedule. It's really just a question of like, how many games are we just going to not be able to put it up, like up enough points and like be able to contend. Cause I think our defense just kind of is what it is at this point. Um, It's I've really just not known on offense. I mean, to me, you know, climbing goes about eight and four every season. Um, yeah. Like, that is kind of what I'm looking at, is I kind of see, like, I mean, I guess I could see seven and five, too. I mean, it, 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 it just looks like a very, you know, it looks like a very, like, promising for the future season is what it feels like, what it looks uh, like. Like the last, like rest of our lives literally but so let me throw this at you guys then so at what what record or like how does the season go to make you like a like extremely concerned about Kleinman's future and then b the opposite direction like other than national championship like what's the best case scenario for k-state this season uh make the playoffs and don't get blown out in the uh quarterfinal That's the correct answer. What he said. I, I suppose you could say win a quarterfinal. I I don't. <laughs> I don't think we got that in the tank. Now, now, okay. Let me let me pull. Let me put this out there for you. Okay. So you theoretically could be the three seed because you know to everyone who doesn't know conference champions. You know, mm-hmm. um, conference champions buys blah blah blah. Oh, then we could be the five. three seed theoretically with like you know being ranked over the ACC team like you're 11 and 1 the ACC's got like a 10 and 2 champ whatever I'm not saying we're going to 11 and 1 you could then theoretically see like so you'd be matched up with 6 and 11 you could probably like that 6 seed is probably technically the fourth best team in the nation so it's really the number 4 versus number 11 you could maybe see number 11, like, get an upset, and then maybe because brackets, you get to play the 11, like, you beat the 11. Um, my, my, um, basically, if I think we're going in the right direction is if we make it to the conference championship game, we're very close, like, lose on tiebreakers or something. Like, yep. seven and two in conference, right? I mean, we could go, like, ba- basically, I'm looking for what we did were slightly better than what we did in 2022. Cause at that point I feel like we're ahead of schedule. I yeah. kind of feel 
it, I kind of feel like a maintaining of this last year is on schedule for this team. That's kind of like the bare minimum I need to see is about eight and four, five and three in conference. Um, I think to be concerned is pretty much just missing a bowl game. I think that's pretty much what it is. Because that means basically you went – basically in my mind, that means you had a losing record in conference and you only – like you went four and five in conference and only beat UT Martin or you went like three and like six in conference and only beat one of UT Martin and and or Tulane or Arizona, who are both kind of in flux right now. But uh, yeah, pretty much like five and seven lower, like are probably going to nuke the program. No, I I would agree with that. That missing a bowl game, even in like a first year with Avery, and of course, depending on how all that happened, too, can look a whole lot worse. But I want to say, unless the the only caveat to this is if like we just like if Avery just like fucking goes out against UT Martin, pulls like a Jesse Ertz, and Blake Barnett is like thrust into action, and just looks like freshman Will Howard, which is possible, and we just go like 5-7, and seven because like we just don't have any consistent QB play. Have you guys talked about like the scenario that has been thrust at William, Sir William Howard yet on here? Actually, we haven't. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, he's has probably one of the best teams in the country, presumably steps in as the starter day one of camp, and also has enough competition behind him to have him constantly in a state of adversity. So there's literally, like, no scenario where Will Howard doesn't win a Heisman than at that point, right? Like, it's just the script is written for college football this year. He's a one seed going into the college football playoff. It's- Here's my hot take for this upcoming season. And this is with the caveat that Will Howard starts the first game. Mm, no. This is the caveat that Will Howard is the starter. Whether it be for the first game of the season or the second game and beyond. Because coaches can do dumb shit and start a freshman like randomly in the first game of the season. My hot take. Will Howard is going to New York as a Heisman finalist at least top five. And Will Howard will be in a first-round NFL draft pick next year. Yep. Ohio State, baby. Ohio State. Um, by the way, just I want to put this like in your guys' brains, just for like the fun of it, because it's it's literally impossible. But imagine if we had like mid-season, like you could appeal for a mid-season transfer, um, and like it would be like approved. Um like, you know, Will Howard gets benched at Ohio State and, like, Avery Johnson, like, tears his ACL and K-State's, like, you know, undefeated at the time, needs a quarterback. And, like, the media doesn't announce it. Like, unveiling at the next home game is, like, Will Howard leading the team out of the tunnel on, like, a fresh transfer. Comes out for, like, the glass-breaking and stone-cold <laughs> scheme. Oh, God. <laughs> Beans, we absolutely put the muzzle on you in the second half of this podcast. What say you about the Kansas State Wildcats? Which part do you want me to talk about, the schedule or Will Howard? Yes. Um, preferably the schedule. We can talk about Will Howard when he's um, 
a Heisman contender next season. Uh, I do appreciate them bringing back the Friday games. Uh, that really helps oh, those guys out that. that are getting married uh, on Saturdays. <laughs> this is really scheduled deciding season for weddings. Um, yeah, no, so, this is... Clarified. They have not said that the game is a Friday yet. Okay, well... It is they would help out Friday a lot of guys. They would help out a lot of guys that are getting married in the fall if they just did it on a Friday. You're biased. <laughs> I am biased. Also... Beans is complaining about two bye weeks, which also helps guys getting married in the okay. fall. You know what? You did find a fault in my... Yeah. <laughs> you found a crack in my system. I'm, you know, Be- Beans, just because you're married doesn't mean you get to, you know, hate on new people getting married. I don't hate anybody. Except for Bob Sutton. Okay. Beans, you bring us a hot take for the week? I think the two-week bi-week thing was a, kind of my hot take. Yeah, and I already wish. Gavin, do you have a hot take? Uh, no, but instead of a hot take, I can walk through um, anything that has like popped up as interesting, going through the uh, wide receiver classes, uh, personal stuff, personal shit, just Ooh. like contacting HR and just like pulling up their personal bios um, okay. illegally. Gavin, what I want you to do, I'll do my list for, you know, I, I made a hastily made top five list for, you know, like best moments on the show, right? Okay. I want you to make a top five list of fun facts about this wide receiver class. Deal. So I'll go over mine. I just remembered what my number one was. And I didn't spell it right. <laughs> One sec. Actually, I want you to be two. You to be three. You to be four. Okay. I have a couple of outside looking in nominations. So the first two outside looking in noms are K-State and Kansas City winning titles year one of the podcast and then me winning all the game shows. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number five. I have Rachel joining the show. Our first great episode of the series. The first Incredible episode of the series where it really felt like we had the chops to do this on a weekly basis and do something great with this. I do number number four. Gavin predicts the downfall of Russell Wilson before anyone else when I had him ranked at number four in my top quarterbacks list. Oh, yeah. Gavin would then, Russell Wilson would go on to have two horrible to mediocre years on the Broncos and is slated to get released after being benched for Jarrett Stidham. Number three, I have us interviewing Scott Hansen as our number three. That's only number It's a bit of a shock that that is so low, and it's not because of, you know, it just being, you know, Scott or anything, but it feels like the culmination of 
all of the things that we've done for over the past two years. Very exciting moment, very good moment, and I think it's the best thing that we have done on the show, but it's not necessarily what I think is like plastered onto the show for what it the show represents at this point. Number two, I have our inaugural Kyler Alderson basketball tournament performance. I would call it a episode, I guess, but doing the tournament and the play-by-play for the first year of the tournament, I think that is the best thing that we have done, not production-wise, but just from a allowing ourselves to put ourselves out there. Personal standpoint. Personal standpoint, too, yes. So that is one of my favorite moments. All three of us were there. It was a great time. And I think that we helped bring that event to something that was a little bit more than what it would have been. And number one is Beans being a general dumbass, specifically his sandwich and monetary takes. <laughs> I, you know, cutting a sandwich diagonally does not make it any bigger than it does if you cut it down the middle and money has value. But Beans doesn't know that, and Beans being an idiot has made me laugh this entire time. I love this. All right, stall for a second. Okay. Um, I guess I do have a thought-provoking moment. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, Sam, I love your list because, um, A, you know, I feel like, Scott Hansen should have been higher, but then again, you know, I'm number one. Why would I, why would I argue? No, I'm just kidding. I, your number one is mostly just a joke because I had to make it a joke, but I do contend that my list is in order. Um, I will say though, and Gavin kind of walked away here for a little bit. This show has brought me and I'm going to get a little sentimental here and I wish Gavin was here, but I'm, I'm just going to say it now. This show has brought me a lot of joy. This show has brought me a lot of um, ability to uh, talk to you guys freely and put everything out there. Um, And the fact that we've made it this far is just amazing. And I wouldn't imagine doing it with any other guys. Gavin frantically tries to compile his list, missing the entirety of Beans' sentimental message. Exactly wearing pants it's incredible to watch for all of our viewers and if you're watching on youtube which i don't think you will be because we don't post there very often anymore i don't apologize you will have seen the that would have been america's ass right there so um in my so i've been inspired now to create two lists um two lists well the first list is i want to keep building on sam's list um because while I agree with Sam's entire sentiment and everything, there are moments that I just don't want to let go by the wayside. Um, so consider this the B-team uh, list of things that happened on the show. The, Since- the winter the winter uh, uh, fucking homecoming king and homecoming Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be- Beans, you know what? Like, pull, pull this apart and make it a little clip for the audience. Us going through just these moments of our ourselves. Quick question. Um, I was nominated for JV Homecoming. Were either of you nominated for regular Homecoming or JV Homecoming? Neither. Neither? 
Yes. Means I so means you weren't either. Nope. So that means I was the most popular out of all of us in high school. Damn yeah. right. Love it. So I need. I, I have a uh, list of five in my order of importance, um, most meaningful to me, and I think some of the best that we've had. Um, at number five, just because when I sleep at night, I still have to like, like literally like my credibility as like a human being. And like, um, when I, when I talk to people like this just gets brought up and it's just inherently wrong, but I'm going to explain that here, but uh, it's the, um, beans actually having sky more ranked ahead of me in the rookie class, but that like never being brought up ever like to this day. <laughs> and just like the discourse that that created of um i still like think beans did that on purpose and i will hold that against him and now it's even funnier because beans is a bigger dumbass than me because he had sky Moore ranked ahead of garrett wilson um in that draft class um number four um and this i'm gonna this goes to every single one of us i was the one that brought it up but we all i think three agreed like at the time um after the NFL draft, um, when Isaiah Pacheco was drafted, calling Isaiah Pacheco the best running back on the Kansas City Chiefs and like meaning meaning that in a serious way, not as just an indictment of who we had there, but like actually believing that like he was the best guy. And now he's played for us in two Super Bowls. So started oh, for us. One of the best uh, rookie draft picks of all time because he wasn't a, was a draft pick. <laughs> Yep, exactly. And uh, the uh, the next three um, are some of the best wars that we've had on the podcast. I would assume um, that's what that's what brings uh, people. <laughs> that's what that's what people listen for. Uh, the first is the Gavin versus Traylon Burks wars. Um, the great just misinformation war of Gavin trying to nuke a person's character and um, playing career, and he mostly did that himself. But um, I was war. I was at least there to help him through that. But even better than the Gavin versus Traylon Burks wars was the personal wars between Sam and Gavin versus Beans on James Bradbury and whether he was an important signing for the Kansas City Chiefs or not. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that one. That was a, an entire year. I mean, just the, the storybook I ending. Story it was like WWE. No, it was. I mean, just it was written out there for us. The holding to end the Super Bowl that wasn't called. I mean, it's just it's poetic. Is what it was called. literally like WWE. Like I saw it was James Bradbury. He got the hold. I was like, God, Beans is gonna never let us hear the end of that. Yep, it, it was uh, from the off season when like it was a random ass signing, like that we because think about it that way too what are the chances that some random ass corner that now is like playing like dog shit too literally had one good year and it was the year beans like backed him up um now he's like arguably like shouldn't be on a roster um but the year beans liked him he just decided to be an all pro and um I should say not not liked him, I guess. We liked him. He decided well, to be an all-pro. Hey, we said one-year deal, to be fair. One year yes, we did. Correct. But um, my favorite moment, because it's one that like constantly pops back up in my head, was uh, the Gavin versus Raccoon War and bringing the bumper on the show and um, talking into the camera with my... Uh, bumper that, by the way, is um, it's still sitting in my... Uh, car like as we speak so 
it's not been put back together. It, uh, the front half is still like just what's left, I guess. Oh, for God's sakes. I don't so, ru- I don't want to ruin this, but I I am like fucking tearing up right now. Like I'm losing my shit. <laughs> just all of these moments just like just running back through my mind and like we've went through a hundred fucking episodes and like it's just been so much fun doing this shit. And we just stop we just talk into a stupid mic for a hundred episodes and people listen and like God. I just couldn't imagine doing it with a better group of guys. I I thank you guys so much. I I'm like I'm sorry. I'm fucking crying. No need to apologize, Beans. Yep, no need, man. That brings in the content. It brings in the viewers. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so sorry. in lieu of Beans crying, um, you know, unless he wants to give a thought provoking moment, I will tell you one of the scariest, um, Chiefs Twitter tweets that I have seen in a long time. So basically, the tweet goes like, you know, everything's going great. Chiefs beat the Niners. Travis Kelsey, you know, embraces Taylor Swift, gets down on one knee, like pulls out the ring like Ian Johnson. And then all you hear is like, and that's strike three. And you wake up in 2012 and realize it's all been a dream. And you doze off during a Bruce Chen start for the Royals. Don't ruin this for me. Don't don't ruin this for me. Don't you bring that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I gotta ask. So, like, you know, you're I guess you can only answer this from your perspective. If you woke up in 2012 and found out that like the last like thir- 12 to 13 years was a lie, like it was just a dream, like you woke up from a coma, what would you do? I'm uh so first thing I'm doing is I'm running to the like uh betting office and like putting anything I can on K State to win the Big Twelve in basketball. You're not old enough yet. I will find a way and I will get money (laughs) in there. But like what if like what if everything's different? Like what if Patrick Mahomes like simply does not exist? (sighs) Man, you Yeah. Okay. So if we're talking just from like Chiefs and like whatever fan perspective um it was a dream but i've obviously currently like consciously lived it so if i like had a dream that i consciously lived my life for a decade i'm waking up the next morning like oh that was fucking crazy and like feeling great because i got an extra decade of life that i just experienced for free alleged apparently but i'm probably waking up and it's probably a wet dream Beans got a decade worth of getting worked up like all over himself. You just imagine the alternate timeline. Like we don't hire like Andy Reid and like we draft Patrick Mahomes and ruin him and he's like on his fourth team or whatever. And you're just like, this was supposed to be that's, it. That's the thing. I, I brought this uh I'd mentioned this in our group chat one time. Imagine inventing time tra- time travel, like going into the future. And let's say you're the Jets, or just we'll, we'll use the Jets just for them being Jets. Um, you're the scout. You go and discover that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Oh my God! You come back, bang the table. This Patrick Mahomes guy is amazing. We need to get him on our team. You, you're, you know, GM sticks his neck out for you, drafts him, and then you're the Jets, so you ruin him. And like, then you like figure out that like, oh shit, like 
it turns out that like there's other things to this besides just Patrick Mahomes being really good. Like how frustrating would that be watching a player in like an alternate reality be like in this in this scenario, Patrick Mahomes literally does exist. He was just ruined by the New York Jets instead of like, you know, in Kansas City. But that would be <laughs> I would feel guilty, honestly, at that point. Yeah. Hey, gentlemen, I've been informed that this episode has gone on long enough. It was supposed to be a power hour. We made it a power hour and 30-ish minutes, it appears. Actually, 15-ish minutes. So, gentlemen, this is the last opportunity. If you would like to say anything before we do a foyer into our second 100 episodes, speak now or forever hold your peace. Here's to peace. another 100. Um... Oh, am I supposed to say one? Uh, Keon Coleman outplayed Jaden Reed as a true junior. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. The final takes of the first 100 episodes. We want to thank every single one of you for putting up for us for almost two years at this point worth of episodes. We'll be there very soon. Just give us four weeks to do it. want to thank you again for listening today. It was a very special moment to bring up, to bring you the top or the 100 episodes that we have. If you want to continue to listen to us or find any of our old episodes, you can find them all on Spotify and or Apple Podcast. We're the number one podcast with Flyover and Sports in the name. And if you would like to look us up on Twitter, we are available at underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore underscore F3S, all capitals and the number three. We want to thank you again for listening to us today. Fly over 100 was a blast. And can't wait to talk back to you soon. Thanks again, everyone, and fly over forever. I was going to make some funny comment, but I I just can't. I can't on this one.